0: Before ZoomInfo, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. Now, ZoomInfo helps you automate, scale up, and reach marketplace domination. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.
1: Hi, Bills fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a Buffalo Bills podcast from an all-female perspective. I'm your host, Danielle, and with me is my co-host, Robin. And we hope that you are very, very excited that we're back, as last week we had so much shit going on that we just couldn't record. So we're back, our little mavens, and we are happy to be here.
2: Not only are we back, we're going to be worse than ever
1: worse than ever. We're cranky still and we're ready to prowl. The first thing I want to talk about is Bills fans. Robin, what in the heck is the problem with Bills fans being mad about a 6 and 2 record, their best record since 1993? I was 8 years old. Why? Why are they so mad? Well,
2: after 20 years of the dynasty of despair, it's habit. We have had every permutation of every possible thing that could go wrong to keep us from the playoffs for so many years. It's ingrained in our head that we are going to fail, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And jumping ahead of the game, I remember when we were 5-1 and one and thought, surely we're going to make the playoffs, without a doubt can't happen that we won't make the playoffs. Well, we didn't make the playoffs. So I think that a lot of us as Bills fans are scarred to the point where, and, and jaded, frankly, to the point where we just can't believe what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big part of it. And I also think that there's, there's sort of this New England Patriot effect. It's like if your team isn't perfect all the time, then they're crap. Right. I don't subscribe to that because the New England Patriots are kind of an outlier when you look at the history of the National Football League in terms of dynasties. And you can say whatever you want for the reasons why they've done what they've done, cheated, whatever. It doesn't matter. The record speaks for itself. And the bill's record speaks for itself. So I think part of our problem as Bills fans is looking at the future and not seeing the past. And as you and I talked about before, if you flip a coin 10 times and it all comes up heads, the 11th time, your instinct says, it's gonna come up heads. But guess what? It's still a 50-50 proposition. It still could be tails that shows up. So I guess my message to Bills fans is, this could be tales,
1: folks. Right? Chill out a little bit. But you know what? And I think you're right that its habit because I remember being in college when they started off five and one. And I lived in this big house in West Philadelphia. And I think there was like five or six of us in the house at that time. Most of them were Eagles fans because a lot of them had come from the area. And I had a little dry erase board that I put on the outside of my bedroom door And every time the Bills won a game and whatever their record was, I would put, you know, three and one, four and one, five, whatever it was. And I had five and one up at one point. And I was just cocky as all hell. And I was like, my Bills are going to the Super Bowl. Look how good we are. We're winning games. And then we finished. I don't remember. What was it like seven and nine that year? So, (laughs) so I do know I get the hurt. I'm going to be 35 years old. I've been a lifetime Bills fan. I understand what it's like that they just for so many years have brought us up just to bring us right back down again. But this is such a completely different team. The front office, the, you know, the management, the players, it's not the Bills of the past. They're building towards a long-term future. And we need to sit tight for the ride right now while they develop into the team that they want to be. And that's going to take a few years. We need to have a little bit of patience.
2: We certainly need to have patience. And as they say in the investing community, past performance is not indicative of future performance. And so we have to remember that this team actually could be
1: different. It could. And I think it is. You know, the fact that the national media is recognizing the bills as building something different than they have in all these past years, I think that speaks for itself. And we need to actually realize that. So, you know, are we the worst six and two team ever? Who knows? Who cares? Let's just sit tight, like I said, and go along for the ride and see what happens and cheer the team on. Yeah, they have some faults and they have some flaws. But if you expected a Super Bowl season, you know, in Josh Allen's second year, I think you're crazy. And I'm just going to say it right now. There are, he came into this league raw. We have a lot of young players. We have a lot of talent on the team that they just haven't played up to their expectations or to their potential yet. That's where our coach, Sean McDermott, is coming in, and he's getting them to that level. So I think for right now, I'm going to enjoy 6-2. and I'm going to be happy with it. And when the playoffs come, regardless of what kind of team we've been throughout the regular season, anything can happen, any given Sunday, especially in the playoffs. Look at the Giants. They hadn't beaten anybody except for maybe one team, and then they went to the playoffs, they went to the Super Bowl, and they beat the New England Patriots. So anything can happen. Just chill out, guys. Give it a little bit of time. Be happy where they're at. That's my advice. Solid. What I want to do right now is is talk about the Cleveland Browns. I know a lot of fans are a little bit scared because the Browns have a lot of talent and things like that, but the thing that I want to do right now is play a little clip that I heard on Twitter this week. And it's from a Cleveland radio guy who guaranteed that the Browns would beat the Broncos. And he responded to fans about having done so. So if, if it's okay, Rob, I'm going to play that little clip right now, okay? Go for it. Okay, one second.
3: I said what I said. And it's my freaking fault for having any faith whatsoever in you. I should never, ever do it again. I should never have faith ever again. I should line up and be like the predecessors before me and be nasty and mean-spirited and angry over the entire thing every single time we winch out one of these quarterbacks that will hopefully take us from the hell that we have created for ourselves throughout this entire time and have us have this happen yet again. More saviors, more societies, the same damn... Actions! The same thing! The Emperor no longer has clothes! And I am a shell of myself! Today's the day where things change. So after this screaming and after this yelling, I'm sorry because it's 620 in the morning. I'm gonna lay here and I'm gonna take it. If you got something to yell at the Browns, you yell at mean, You got something to yell at Baker Mayfield or John or or Freddie Hitchens, you go ahead and let it off your chest. If you got something to say to me, you go ahead and say it I made a guarantee that I'm personally responsible for. I have let myself down. I have let you down. I have let everybody down. So for the next three hours and 40 minutes, you got something to say to me, you go right on ahead. You will not get anything back from me. I got it coming to me because I'm a damn fool for having any faith whatsoever
2: (laughs) in this train wreck. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) That is the best. That's the Ken Carmen show. So at least Bill's fans, I don't think, are at that point yet. I think we have that to be comforted with. But (laughs) that was a good one. That was a doozy. So let's talk about that a little bit. Why are the Browns 2-6? and Why is this guy so angry at this team with all the talent that they've put together on the Browns? Why are they not winning games?
2: Well, I think we could start with some wild babble here. Okay. I got three points to make. First of all, I think the overhype train during the offseason was a little out of control. We saw ESPN, the NFL Network, and everybody wanted to anoint the Cleveland Browns as the next Super Bowl champions. I think 26 shirts could have had a real deal in Cleveland if they had a shirt that said off-season champions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what happens before the season starts. And I think, unfortunately, the Browns and their fan base bought onto the hype train. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There was a hype. Everybody thought Super Bowl champions, Super Bowl champions, look at all the the, the people they added and the new coaching staff and Baker was so good last year and he's only going to take a step forward. And they were overhyped. Nobody knew what they were gonna be. We didn't know if the coach, if Kitchens was gonna be able to control all the different personalities that they brought into the locker room. That leads to the second point
2: in terms of coaching, and coaching has a great deal to do with Why the Browns are two and six instead of six and two like the Bills are. I would like to say that offensive and defensive coordinators, their jobs, their job descriptions are very different than the essential functions of a head coach. And I think Freddie Kitchens is not head coach material. You can be the greatest coordinator. We've seen this time after time after time in the NFL. These guys that come in and they light the world on fire as coordinators, move them up to a head coach and they fall on their faces. And I think part of the reason that happens is because, especially nowadays, half of the job description as a head coach involves being a sports psychologist. Mm -hmm. And some of these guys are just not there. They don't understand the mindset of today's athlete, and they don't know how to take a group of individuals and turn them into a team. And we've seen what Sean McDermott has done. If you just look at the comparison between the talent level that the Cleveland Browns have and the talent level that the Buffalo Bills have, I don't think that you can make an argument that the Bills have more physical talent. Mm -hmm. I just don't. And what is the difference? The difference is Sean McDermott has been able to figure out how to get a group of guys to be greater than the sum of their parts.
1: Right. Because if you look at it, the Bills came into the season as most people expected underdogs. They did, weren't expected. I think Vegas didn't expect them to win more than six and a half games. And if we win against the Browns, we're already over that this season. So I would say the Bills are actually overachieving a little bit. And that goes right back to coaching. And how he wants these players to be. And in my opinion, what I keep saying is, you know, whether you believe in God or not, or a higher power or not, the fact of the matter is Sean McDermott is putting together a team that they're mostly highly spiritual. They are family oriented. They believe in the brotherhood of their team. They all have very similar values. And when you look at their Instagram accounts, which as a social media manager, I have to do a lot. A lot of their posts have to do with being with family, being with their kids, playing with their animals, you know, their dogs, doing things with their pregnant wives and girlfriends. And a lot of times they're together as a team and doing these things. That is so important than, say, the Browns, who threw a bunch of people together who a lot of them are nothing alike. And it's almost like putting on clothing and each piece doesn't match. That's what the Browns remind me of at this point. And then you have Baker Mayfield, who has seemed to regress this season. He played really well last season, was probably arguably the best 2018 quarterback of last year. And this year he's regressed, and that's not just a coaching thing. Look at some of the players around him. You have, you know, somebody like Jarvis Landry in his ear. Do you think for a player who already came into the league a little bit cocky and a little full of himself that that's the best kind of player to have around him? I don't.
2: I agree with you. Furthermore, if you look at the relationship that Josh Allen has with his teammates, it's very different than what I've been able to observe on the sidelines. When you look at Baker Mayfield, you don't see him over there talking to the defense. But when the Bills need to be jacked up a little bit, Josh will go over to the other side of the ball and start talking. That's teamwork. That's team concept. That's where there isn't this, oh, no, the offense played good this week and the defense didn't. There isn't this you, you did this, you didn't do that kind of mentality. It's a team mentality that the Bills have. And I think it makes a big difference. And as far as Baker Mayfield is concerned, I think he needs to start dialing it back just a little bit in terms of the swag. Mm-hmm. He has regressed in his second year. He has not done anything. And so he really should shut his mouth
1: and play ball. Right. You see that picture that they had up of him at the podium after the loss to the Denver Broncos. And he just looked like a complete disheveled mess. And it reminds me of, and I hate to make this analogy because it's a a much more serious topic, but do you remember George Bush pre-9-11 compared to post-9-11? How old he looked and haggard he looked. That's what Baker Mayfield looks like to me right now. He just looks like he's had the crap kicked out of him for the last, you know, nine weeks and he just doesn't look good. He doesn't. And I would add to that, that the,
2: the communication that exists between, between him and his teammates, when you watch them talk, their interactions look different to me than Mm -hmm. when I see Josh Allen talking to his teammates And I can't surmise anything from that other than I think the relationship is important. And I think Baker needs to work on those relationships that he has with his teammates.
1: Well, and you see all the different handshakes that Josh Allen has with a bunch of different teammates. And they're all different. And he makes sure that they're all different for a reason. That's camaraderie and brotherhood. What Baker has going on, I think that these players some of them are actually criticizing and maybe do his face whether it's warranted or not you know you don't do that you pull a Lee Smith and say hey we're your brothers it's on us don't put all the blame on yourself i think maybe baker needs a little bit of that but he also needs somebody to knock him down a notch and be like you need to stop being so cocky and full of yourself and realize that you're not playing well either so it's 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 a good balance of teammates that he needs around him and he doesn't have that like Josh Allen has and that's all the props in the world to the coaching staff and the GM for putting that together for him. And that's why I believe even though Josh Allen might not be taking huge steps like some of these perfectionist Bills fans want, he's still taking incremental steps and improving in almost every single category. He's being set up to succeed. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason that Baker has regressed. Businesses have always needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing.
0: You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business. Efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights. Engage customers. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo. How business goes to market.
2: Exactly. And I can also add to that if you want, since they are always compared, you can throw Sam Darnold in there as well in terms of why coaching is a big part of developing a a young quarterback. And even Sam Darnold has regressed this year. Josh has not. And what do the Jets and the Browns have in common? They have disasters in the front office. So I think that, you know, Josh Allen has to be feeling pretty good that he landed in Buffalo for a lot of reasons.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of reasons. Look, at I mean, Adam Gase is just a, a dumpster fire. And look at Tannehill. He had Tannehill last year, couldn't do a thing with them. And now Tannehill is with the Titans and he's looking pretty good. If you ask me, that's coaching. Yep. Yep. So it, I just agree. And the shame of it is that I actually like Sam Darnold and I think he's a good guy and probably has the potential to be a better player, but he's not going to get it playing under Adam Gase. And I feel like it's the same way with the Browns. And I know that Browns fans don't really want to blame Freddie Kitchens for the problems, but I think that he is kind of part of the problem.
2: Well, when you see a team repeatedly come out week after week and they're clearly not prepared, that falls on the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And to some extent, you can criticize Sean McDermott in terms of, for example, he's not very good at at challenging, you know, making challenges. His success rate is pretty poor. But Mm -hmm. every year, and he's going into his third year as head coach now, every year you see him continue to get better. Right. And let's face it, you know, he hasn't been head coach for how many years has Belichick been a head coach? Belichick has refined his style over the course of a couple of decades and we want to criticize Sean McDermott because he's not there yet. And he's going into his third year. Mm -hmm. What you want is a head coach that continually wants to improve and a head coach that is open to understanding that the intangibles are just as important as the physical skills that your players have.
1: Yeah. And even, I mean, with Sean McDermott, sometimes when the bill's, come out and they don't look prepared, they make the second half adjustments to win the game. And that's just as important. That's learning to win the game. They're yep. making the adjustments needed, so he's getting better too. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily like his clock management skills sometimes or some of the calls that he makes and sometimes his conservative play, but he'll get there. We need to give him time too. He has a whole new offense as well. And you know, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, I have seen some people make excuses for Baker, his comments during that one press conference where he got real snippy and then walked away. Some people said, well, you know, because some of those reporters are just always nasty and they don't like the Browns or they're not Browns fans or they just want to see them fail. They don't like Baker. Well, uh, Robin, do we have any reporters like that in Buffalo?
2: (laughs) Well, yes, we do. And actually, and I've said this many times on Twitter in the past, I think that every club, every organization needs to have a skeptic. Mm -hmm. We may not like what Jerry Sullivan says, and he can take the most negative approach on things from time to time, but I will defend him to the end in terms of being a skeptic. And his role in the community of journalism can't be understated, you need to have people who are skeptics now, whether or not Baker Mayfield or somebody else can handle that that's up to them and Baker better learn how to handle a skeptic because you're going to find them wherever you go. hopefully, and I say that with all sincerity because even though everybody i I, I get the collective groan every time Jerry Sullivan puts out a negative tweet, you know all of Bill's mafia just goes <laughs> oh and I get it, but I also get that there is a role and function for that kind of person, a critic who is always looking at things going, but what about this? And what about mm-hmm. that? Because that is a, a form of evaluation that you want to take into consideration. You always want to look at the other side of the coin. And you know, I, I take my frankly, I take my hat off to Jerry because guys like him have to have thick
1: skin. Yeah. And for as much as Jerry Sullivan can be a pain in the ass, I, A, understand where he's coming from, and B, sometimes he's actually right. So you can't dismiss everything that he says because he does make some good points sometimes, whether you like it or not, because it's not all rainbows and butterflies in football, and it never will be. The biggest point of that is Josh Allen always comes to that podium with a smile on his face and willing to answer every question that anyone puts out there. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't throw a fit. He stands up there. He stands tall. He stands proud. He answers the questions. Whether he likes the questions or not, he doesn't let on. And he does what he's supposed to do as the face of the franchise. So Baker Mayfield needs to take a page out of Josh Allen's book a little bit, I think, in that respect.
2: The only thing that I can add to that is something that you just alluded to, and it's extremely important, and that is how a person communicates tone. And by tone, I'm talking about the vibe that you give off that most people can pick up on. I'll give you an example, that press conference that you're talking about. Baker Mayfield's tone in that press conference was negative from the get-go. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He didn't want to deal with it. Josh Allen, on the other hand, can throw three interceptions, have a horrible game, and stand up and take a beating from Mm -hmm. the press and he doesn't seem to take it personally, his tone is much more open. He's not walking into a press conference with an attitude. Right. And I think that makes a huge difference. And I think sometimes quarterbacks actually create a self-fulfilling prophecy. You cannot be like Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the only guy who can stand up and be an asshole in front of the media because he has the Lombardis to show for it. Maybe the same thing with Tom Brady. Baker,
1: you haven't been there yet. No. And I think it's just who Josh is as a person. When he makes those mistakes, he knows that the blame should be on him. And he takes that blame and he says, but I'm going to get better. And I promise I won't do these things again, Bills fans. So he's different than Baker. He, Baker doesn't want to take responsibility for anything he does, except if it's good. And that's just not the kind of quarterback that I would ever want on my team. So I'm glad we have Josh Allen.
2: And I think, yeah, it's interesting when you say that, because I think even though Baker Mayfield, you will hear him say this in every press conference. Oh, it's on me. Oh, it's on me. But is that sincere? Does he really believe that? Or is he just mouthing off a bunch of crap that, you know, he's supposed to say to the media? I'm not sure he really believes that it's his fault. But when you listen to Josh, I kind of think he does.
1: He does. Bakers just telling the media what and the fans what what they want to hear. That's what he's good at doing. Josh actually believes what he says. There's a big difference. So the final thing that I would like to talk about now and I know you would as well is the whole Ed Oliver thing. Recently, Sean McDermott had said that he sort of benched Ed Oliver a little bit. I think he only had like 18 snaps or something this past game against Washington and he said that he thinks it would be good for Ed Oliver to kind of take a step back and look at what's going on around him, and he thinks that would be good for his growth. Well, we then see Ed Oliver put out some stats on Twitter saying that he has the third best pass rush win rate in the league. And people are complaining, saying if he's putting out this kind of production, why would Sean McDermott bench him? What do you think about that?
2: Well, there's a lot there to kind of process. Ha ha ha. Mm -hmm. Um, but Ed Oliver is in a little bit of a unique situation, actually not dissimilar to Josh Allen. Let me back up and say when Ed Oliver was in college, he did not play for an Alabama type team. He played for a team where he was the biggest star and he was always the biggest star. Same thing for Josh Allen. The transition from teams like that to the NFL is very, very different. And I think Ed Oliver is kind of getting his welcome to the NFL moment like Josh did last year when he was thrown in before he was ever expected to play. And as many people realize, the defensive tackle position takes some time to learn and the way that he played his his actual position, if I understand correct, he was a a nose tackle, basically. And he switched to the three technique in the NFL. A little bit different positioning, but big difference in terms of how you integrate your skill level in the NFL at the NFL level. So I'm pretty sure the Ed Oliver probably came in like a lot of people do in the NFL. A lot of athletes do thinking, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to slide right into this, and things are going to start happening. And he found out that the players around him are equally as talented, and you have to work at your technique, and you can't just use your physical raw skill like you did in college,
1: right? It's mental too.
2: It's exactly very much mental, and so. For Sean McDermott to quote, unquote, bench him is a twofold thing in my mind. Number one, it gives a message to him that you have to earn it, buddy. It doesn't come to you automatically. And the second thing is, guess what, folks? We didn't really expect this, but Jordan Phillips has been playing lights out. As as McDermott said, he earned the start. And so, hey, you earn it, you get it. And if Ed doesn't like that and he has some kind of sense of entitlement, I didn't see the social media message or whatever, but it's pretty clear he's trying to get a message across in kind of a passive aggressive way. And that's not a really good thing to do, Ed. It's best that you keep that in house and that you look inside yourself and realize you're the one who has to make the
1: difference. Right. And even for, you know, as good as he may have been playing throughout the season. Maybe Sean McDermott sees that he's still not putting in a hundred percent effort and he could be playing a lot better and he doesn't like that. So he's pulling him back a little bit and saying, I need more from you. Even if he's playing well now, maybe he can play better. Maybe Ed Oliver isn't a hundred percent bought into the process like some of these other players. And Sean McDermott is, he's going through a refining process for him right now.
2: Absolutely. And you know, there is a comparison because last year, we saw the same thing with Robert Foster, did we not? Mm -hmm. Robert Foster got benched, he got released by the team, because he didn't quite buy in. And, you know, if Ed needs a little extra coaching in that regard, so be it. But kudos to Sean McDermott for having the guts to stand up and say, okay, I don't care if you're the number one guy, you're not starting,
1: because the other guy's playing better than you are. Right. And do you think Freddie Kitchens does that? I don't. No. No. And that's the big difference between the two and six team and the Bills six and two team right now. You got it. All comes full circle. All right. Well, let's wrap up this episode. Before we go, what I want to talk about is this week's giveaway by Jim Ruther. We have a signed eight by 10 of the legend, Andre Reed. In order to win that, you must be following our Mafia Mavens Twitter account. You must be following jim ruler's twitter account and when this podcast airs which will be tomorrow on thursday you have to screenshot listening to our podcast and put it into the thread that we'll have pinned at the top of our podcast account on twitter so good luck with that please make sure you're listening to all of the podcasts on the buffalo rumblings podcast network believe blitzed bills buffalo rumblings q a Breaking Buffalo Rumbling, Circling the Wagons, The Nick and Nolan Show, and our very own Mafia Maven Show. They will give you all different perspectives on the Buffalo Bills, and you just don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, Go Bills! Businesses have
0: always needed customers, so customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights. Engage customers. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo. How business goes to market.